Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Randy Conan and Tyler Donaldson. Much of the Red River Valley woke up to snow flurries this morning, but according to Grand Forks National Weather Service forecaster Blake Rafferty, not much is expected to accumulate. Currently, we have a little bit of snow moving through the area. It's right around I-94 right now. Totals have been very light. A couple reports of a trace of snow, so nothing too significant by February standards in North Dakota. It's going to move through here in the next couple hours. Currently, it's right along I-94, so is the heaviest of the very light. Rafferty says to expect a mixture of warm and cold weather next week. By the time we get to Monday, temperatures are really going to rise. We could be seeing temperatures in the 60s in southeastern North Dakota, parts of west central Minnesota. Widespread 50s, though. And then a big cool down middle of next week. High temperatures really drop off by Tuesday into Wednesday. Highs in the teens and 20s. Probably some snow associated with it. Also going to be breezy northwesterly winds. But this cold snap doesn't look to last very long either. By the end of the week, we'll be back with above average temperatures. NDSU Extension Veterinarian and Livestock Stewardship Specialist Dr. Jerry Staka says warm temperatures this season means producers' hay stores and cattle conditions are looking good. Cows aren't as hungry when the weather has been so favorable. The amount of feed that's fed, harvested forages is less. And some I know are even got cows out on grazing corn, which was a beautiful winter for that, or they're out even grazing some winter pastures uh, with a little bit supplement besides. So from a cow standpoint, this is, uh, for North Dakota, this is probably as good as, as it gets, that's for sure. I don't know that there's a downside to it. I mean, we went through cold weather in December and cows grew their hair coat, and so they still have their winter hair coat for the most part. In this part of the world, I, I don't really worry about shedding off too early. Cattlemen dealing with lice in their herds may want to carefully consider treatment options. Staka says warmer temperatures not treating may be the best option. Your best success at treating for lice is when it's coldest because the lice stay closer to the hide and they're, they're more active. Once we start getting warmer temperatures, and this varies from ranch to ranch, tend to recommend to just leave them alone, that with warmer temperatures, lice activity will diminish. So it does two things when you kind of adopt a philosophy like that, is that you're not overusing products. We'd like for the products that we have to control lice, and for that matter, internal parasites as well, but we'd like for them to, li to have efficacy or that, that they work for as long as possible. So not overusing those products the life of these products. Inflation is having an impact on farm succession plans. Ag Country Farm Credit Services Vice President of Succession and Retirement Planning Russ Tweeten was on the program at the International Crop Expo and said that farmers paperwork may need to be updated. Uh, with these high land values, high machinery values, uh, a lot of the wills and trusts and uh, you're farming through an entity with, with siblings say you have a buy-sell agreement you really need to open those up and look at them and use today's market values for land, machinery, and all components of your farm. Run those values through your will or trust or through your buy-sell and see what that buyout is. Uh, is it still viable and still affordable? Tweeten said most of the farms he's working with that put together a will or trust five to ten years ago had language where a successor had to buy out his non-farming siblings, and it's not, or it's no longer affordable. So we should get in and talk about that and at least expose them to it. 
uh, so they have an idea in their head that uh, maybe I should start thinking about making some changes. Agrisampo North America market analyst Sterling Smith says the bear market continues in the grains. Bear markets typically start the day firm and end the day falling apart, which that's not good, obviously, given where grain prices are, but that is how a bear market operates. Moreover, we saw some pretty good behavior earlier in the week and maybe started to, you know, put out some ideas that maybe we were making a technical bottom. Obviously, we have erased all of those. And, you know, we look at March corn, we have a new low at 398.5, which is, you know, we broke the $4 level. RCM Ag Services market analyst Steve Wagner says March option expiration is weighing heavily on these grains. Yeah, the, the pressure remains. Uh, today, first notice day for option expiration. And, and so I'm sure there's some pressure coming from the option side. But then also, you know, the, the funds have been on the right side, and nobody's given them a reason to step away. So until something changes, this thing is, is it's feeling the weight. Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martinson says the higher overnight, lower day trade pattern continues in the grains, but it's the livestock market that's the bright spot. Livestock continues to uh, push pretty good. You know, we, we're back, almost back up to the highs that we saw in September. We're flirting with our November highs right now, or November levels. <clears throat> and, you know, we've got a cattle and feed report that's coming out late on this on Friday. Right now, the estimates have placements coming in at 88%, which will be the lowest estimate or lowest number of cattle in their feedlots are placed since uh, 2007. So we are starting to see the tighter supplies of calves start to make their uh, start to show up as far as the, the cattle and feed numbers are concerned. Milk production in the 24 major states totaled 18.3 billion pounds in January. That's down less than 1% from one year ago. South Dakota milk production rose nearly 11%. Over the past year, South Dakota farmers added 21,000 cows to the state dairy herd. Minnesota milk output declined 0.8%. Minnesota cow numbers dropped 5,000 head. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending February 15th showed combined old and new crop corn sales at 998,000 metric tons. That's 24% less than the previous week, 18% less than the four-week average. Soybean sales were a marketing year low 56,000 metric tons, 85% less than the previous week, 84% less than the four-week average. There were no new crop soybean sales. Combined old and new crop wheat sales totaled 280,000 metric tons, 29% less than the previous week, 31% less than the four-week average. This is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. FFA chapters have been celebrating National FFA Week across the country. North Dakota FFA President Ty McDonald says becoming involved in FFA was natural. Serving as president has taught him important life skills. With this um, position you just for I mean you get to meet so many people and make connections all across the state and even I mean across the country with a lot of um, meeting with other state officers as well which is pretty cool um, you get a lot of different speaking experiences and something I've learned is the, <laughs> the importance of uh, being organized and being on top of things just a lot about agriculture as well and different SAEs and just 
in getting to interact and meet with different members. And so that'll help me a lot. I'm, I'm hoping in my future plans. Right now I'm uh, studying animal science and egg communications at NDSU, and so hoping to bring uh, all those skills back with me to the ranch. His favorite part of the organization is that no matter your background, students can make connections to agriculture. I think the coolest thing about FFA, and I've been around agriculture my whole life, and so FFA has been always something I want to be a part of, but the awesome thing is that you don't have to be involved in agriculture uh, to be in FFA. So if you come from a big city or a small town, wherever, um, and, and have no experience around agriculture at all, that's okay. You can still be a part of FFA and um take away a lot of experiences from it. NDSU potato breeder Susie Thompson says there are a few new varieties that look promising following the 2023 growing season. We have a beautiful red that is being evaluated by our growers and then um, moving on to the packing um, industry. We have a beautiful yellow that is um, looking very promising and it is dual purpose. It can be made into chips even out of storage at 42 degrees, you know, 10 months later, but it also packs or has the potential for packing for the fresh market. And we focus quite a bit of my time on three new russets that we identified in our trials both last year and then um, now since harvest of 2023. There has been a shift in what gets planted across the Red River Valley, and it could be perfect timing for a new yellow variety release. In 2008, just 3% of our fresh market potatoes produced in the Red River Valley were yellow. And of course, most people are familiar with Yukon Gold. Fall of 2023, that you know we just had, 40% of the potatoes produced now for the fresh market in the Red River Valley are yellow. So our numbered line, ND1241-1Y, could be a very timely release and we do there's a number a large number of seed acreage already available in minnesota and north dakota so very exciting the united soybean board and the national oilseed processors association have released a new life cycle assessment of the u.s soybean industry study find that found that the soybean industry's carbon footprint declined significantly from 2015 to 2021. That includes a 19% decline for U.S. soybeans, 6% drop for soybean meal, and a 22% decline for crude soybean oil, and an 8% change for refined soybean oil. Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley and Montana Democrat John Tester have sent a letter to their Senate colleagues in opposition to recent efforts to weaken the Packers and Stockyards Act in the Agriculture Appropriations Bill. There is a policy rider in the spending bill that would prevent USDA from enforcing these rules on packers and meat processors. Under a bill proposed by the Minnesota Representative Stephen Jacob, Minnesota farmers may receive a $5 an acre tax credit for complying with state water quality guidelines. The bill is scheduled for a hearing in the House Agriculture Committee next week. Eligible farmers in Iowa and Minnesota have an opportunity to participate in the Agroforestry Project. This incentive project is one of over 140 projects funded by the USDA's Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities. The Nature Conservancy is leading the project and can help fund implementing practices such as windbreaks, forest buffers, and forest farming. 
Producers can get, on average, $35 per tree planted and $450 per acre transition payments over three years. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Michael Johnson. Michael, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? This week I headed over to Staples, Minnesota, where there's a new uh, boar stud farm that has been built. And they just recently got the boars into the facility, but I was able to get in there uh, before any pigs were there yet, uh, which is a pretty unique opportunity because... Once they're in there, because of biosecurity measures, pretty much nobody else gets in there. I saw a great deal of, like I said, the biosecurity measures. They're, they have uh, a full water treatment center there. They have air infiltration systems throughout. Um, nothing really can get in there that they don't want. The goal, whole goal is to remove any disease that can enter the facility um, because anything that can get in there can end up affecting the whole system on down the line from going on down to the sows and uh, piglets and as, uh, their whole goal there is to uh, create semen and that uh, heads on out to other facilities in minnesota iowa and south dakota get to really see how uh, the people who are in there will be doing work from collecting the semen to going into the lab, uh, looking over, making sure that there is nothing that they don't want to see before it heads on out onto other uh, facilities down the line. Well, Michael, sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. Looking at markets, before we leave you, Minneapolis, March wheat down nine and a quarter at 642, May down eight and a half cents at 647. Chicago wheat 10 cents lower at 573 and a quarter. Kansas City down six and a half at 567 and a half. March corn futures six cents lower at 400 even. Soybeans March futures down 14 and a quarter at 1133 and a half. May soybeans down 10 and a half at 1142. Live cattle April futures a dollar 40 higher at 187.95. June live cattle $1.22 higher at $183.87. Feeder cattle March futures $2.27 higher at $254.32. April lean hogs $0.22 cents higher. This is the Red River Farm Network.